Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach Brendan Sir. And today I have a coaching treat for you. Our guest is Angelo Poli. Angelo is an internationally recognized expert in fitness and nutrition. He's the founder of MedPro, the first algorithm-based transformation engine in the world using a process called metabolic profiling. MedPro analyzes your metabolism and provides an individualized approach to obtaining your health goals. You might have seen Angelo on 10X conferences, major media outlets such as Men's Health, Sports Illustrated, The Wall Street Journal, or even The Huffington Post, where he's a regular contributor. Angelo has worked with Olympic athletes NFL MVPs, and we know there's only a few of those guys, physique models, business leaders, and now here to help our athletes and coaches and executives to juggle busy schedules. Angelo, I've been a huge believer that to perform at your best as a player, coach, leader, husband, whatever, you better be fit. This is why this intrigues me and all of our coaches that listen. My pleasure, Angelo, to have you as a guest. Thanks so much for having me here, Brandon. The honor is mine. Angel, why don't you tell our listeners a little more about yourself and MedPro and how you can help them with their fitness, strength, and performance goals? Well, I, I kind of fell into this style of coaching by accident. Um, my, my personal background was in uh, the school of a, a bit of pain and suffering, unfortunately. I was a young man. Uh, I had just gotten into the fitness industry out of high school, and I suffered an injury uh, that was pretty debilitating. In fact, I walked with a cane for nine years. Um, <clears throat> so I lost my 20s, but I've, I've made up for it in my 30s, Brendan. <laughs> and so what I did during that period of time is in, with my company, I really focused on the strategic aspects of transformation, of, of coaching and helping people optimize. Now, uh, for a lot of people, that means managing the, the stubborn weight loss. And I'm sure we'll get to talk a bit about metabolism and its role and all that, that good stuff. But for other people, it, it could mean simply mastering time management in their lives. Uh, really becoming a specialist and knowing how to effectively goal set. A lot of people ask me, uh, you know, really how I should go about setting goals. And I'm not talking about someone just getting started. This could be a pro athlete getting paid millions of dollars for a professional team saying, how do I get that edge and go to the next level? And through critical evaluation, really what we've been able to do is expose common themes and data watching um, hundreds even thousands of people go through this process and the takeaways if you can distill it down and this is where where the art of coaching really comes in if you can distill it down into practical action steps that's how, you, how that, that's how you change lives. So we work, <clears throat> we work very closely with our clients. We, we consider ourselves a concierge service. Um, that, that kind of the idea of concierge medicine and con, concierge services has become a little bit more popular in, in recent couple decades. And so we've been able to follow that model. And what it's done is it's let us really dive in and get to know, um, the ins and outs and really on a more personal level, the people that we're, 
we're working with. And it's, it's been a blessing for me personally uh, and my coaches because we've, we feel like we've been able to have a much more dramatic impact in their lives and on outcomes. And so, yeah, that's what metabolic profiling, uh, we call it MetPro. Uh, that's what MetPro is all about. And I, I'm thrilled to be here and be able to share some of the ins and outs of it with you guys. Okay, so, you know, <clears throat> for someone that's been doing what I do for 45 years as a coach and, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, if you're... You, so you're new to the block. Yeah, so, you know, as a professional coach and, you know, you travel, you have terrible hours, you eat terrible food because you're on the go, never have time for anything, you know, you're, you know... How does someone go about wanting to transform their body? You hit the nail on the head. Uh, I, in fact, I get asked all the time, what is it you do for a living? And I try and explain it. <clears throat> I was like, well, I'm a transformation artist. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, I say, here's what I do. I help people manage their time because that's the key to being able to optimize your nutrition. And by the way, that is an ongoing evolution. So your, your optimal food strategy evolves as you check off one goal and are now reaching for the next and next and next. And I mean that if somebody has 50 pounds to lose or somebody has, you know, 50 pounds to add to their squat or bench press, whatever the goal is, we have to calculate, measure, evaluate, reassess, and it's always an evolution. But on a day-to-day -day basis, it's the practical things. It's the little things. And so I, I won't, I, I don't, I don't want to ruin kind of the flow, but what we do is we dive into five basics, five areas that are critical to evaluate in order to be able to spit out the right recommendations for each person. Um, everybody is busy. So <clears throat> A lot of people will mistakenly assume that getting healthy, improving your, your fitness is a choice and what it takes is willpower and determination. And don't get me wrong. All of those are accurate. Those are all true sentiments. So what so many people finally come around to realizing is that it's a skill uh, more so than simply a choice. And when you have somebody that is assisting you in learning, the, I mean, just like if you were going to go to school, you're going to become an accountant. You have to have a mentor, a tutor, somebody who's going to teach you the skill of accounting. Well, optimizing your nutrition and your fitness is a skill. And if you have an experienced coach that can help you with the most relevant action steps, that isn't a one size fits all, but really identified and built specifically for you, then you can take that. And that's something you can carry with you the rest of your life. You can apply the rest of your life and you can benefit from the rest of your life. So I don't know if you want me to dive in now, but, but I, I would love to at some point this morning, share the, the five basics that at MetPro we've identified as being the most relevant. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Angel, dive right in there, brother. All right, we'll do it. So, so the first thing I, I mentioned this a little earlier, goal setting. This is one of the most misunderstood topics because everyone tends to be 
overgeneral. Now there's some, and I, and I know we have a lot of coaches that are listening. There are some powerful psychological reasons for that. One is if you're general with uh, setting goals, you're less likely to, to disappoint yourself. For example, somebody comes to me, I say, what do you want to accomplish? And they always say, well, I want to tone up. I want to lose a little body fat. I want more energy and I want to get stronger. I know that. That's what everybody wants. Those are all of them. Those are all the goals there are out there. <laughs> so what we can do is we can accomplish uh, all of them marginally, or we can actually focus and become a specialist and really move the dial on one or two of those, check them off the list, and then move on to the next and the next and the next. And what we found is becoming more of a specialist when it's guided and strategic will produce more dramatic results. Some people have great genetics and being a generalist gets them where they want to go. But I would say that evaluating thousands of people, that's more the exception, not the rule. Most people need to become a little bit more of a specialist in order to really see the dramatic progress they're looking for. But once they achieve these objectives, they can maintain it with minimal effort and move on to a secondary tertiary objective. So when we go through a goal setting process, I explain to, to the, our friends that we're working with, here's a number of goals that we could accomplish. It's important to understand if you say to me that my goal is to simply have more energy, perform a little better, uh, in the gym, uh, and build some muscle. The training and nutrition that I'm going to recommend for you is going to look very different than if you came to me and said, Hey, look, in six weeks, I have this event. I need to be 15 pounds lighter. That's two different programs mm -hmm. because it's not a one solution for everything role. Uh, it's kind of how you, you pick strategies I mean, you can Google online, you know, how to build muscle fast, how to lose weight, how to fix your metabolism. And there will be a million opinions. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you something that might shock you. Every one of them is right. Mm -hmm. All of them have worked for someone <laughs> at some point. Um, none of them work for everyone. And zero options you're going to find online have been optimized for you personally. So the key is going back to identifying what's the best strategy for you today. So what I actually ask my clients to do is to engineer in reverse. Here are all the goals that we've just talked about. Of them, if you had to pick one to put on the back burner and work on later, which one would be acceptable? So we remove one goal from the list. Now I say, okay, now we need to remove a second. Okay, we're going to actually, I know this is tough, but I want to actually take a third. And what happens is that leaves us with one or maybe two primary focuses. Now we can get down to business. That's how you set goals. Now I'll give you an example from someone who's trying to fix their metabolism and lose weight. And I'll give you an example from an athletic standpoint. So an athlete, basketball player, baseball player, football player, whatever, uh, will call me up 
He'll say, Mr. Pulley, I know who you are. I've read, you know, I've, I've listened to your articles. I've read your blogs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, here's what I want. I, I want to bench 300 pounds. I want to complete a marathon and I want to sub, uh, you know, I want a sub six minute mile. Uh, and I also want to be, be under uh, uh, 10% body fat. Is that humanly possible? <laughs> yeah. It's humanly possible. It's tough, but it's humanly possible. Here's what's not possible. You can't train for all three at the same time and expect to check any of them off the list. We have to become a specialist. We have to say, okay, what we're going to do right now is focus on your strength. So here's how we're going to allocate. And this comes full circle back to what you asked at the beginning, Brendan, which was busy time management. So I'll get some of these athletes <clears throat> who will say, okay, we're looking at your training program. Nothing wrong with it. You're spending 12 hours a week in training. However, after going through this exercise, we've really identified two major components. One is um, we want to strap on about 10 pounds of muscle on your frame. Two is we need to increase your vertical jump, uh, your vertical leap. Of your training, you're spending 12 hours a week two hours are going to activities that are directly correlating to those objectives. Five hours are loosely correlated and another five hours are just auxiliary. They're not directly contributing to those goals. Here's what I propose for the next six weeks. We're going to reallocate your time and put more of that pie graph of how you're dividing up your hours into activities that will directly move the dial on the areas you want to see improved sport performance. Once we achieve those objectives, then for long-term sustainability, we always want to slide that dial back towards the middle and back towards balance. But to really push change and that adaptive process, we need to become a little bit more of a specialist. Now, the other end of the spectrum, I'll get a call and somebody will say to me, I've always liked working out. I've always enjoyed lifting weights. Um, so I, I joined the gym and I want to get back into it. I have 50 pounds I need to take off. My wife says that, you know, she doesn't want to, she doesn't want me to leave her uh, taking care of the kids alone. So I got to get healthy. Perfect. What are you going to have me do? <clears throat> You're going to do boring cardio and you're going to follow a meal plan. And if you only have three hours a week to dedicate to your health and fitness, the time's going to go to grocery shopping and food prep. But what about weightlifting? You don't have time. That's great. We're going to do all of it in the future. But right now, we have to stay hyper-focused on our objective. We need to take weight off. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to put all our eggs in one basket and take 25, half the weight. We're going to take 25 pounds off. Once we can get 25 pounds off, we will have earned the right to say, okay, now we're going to branch into a few other areas that we enjoy. We're going to add the weight training in. That's good for your metabolism. We're going to add this element and that element. But right now, we have to stay razor focused on the first objective that you called out losing weight. And so that's really the process behind goal setting. And so our athletes and our clients and our friends that walk with us on this path usually are just really surprised to just what they learn going through that goal setting process and seeing what it looks like. So that's the first point. 
I know I'm rambling a bit. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> fascinating to me. Gosh. So now if we have a clear goal, the second piece is to look at that goal through a very specific lens. And now this is where we get a little bit more technical. Your body type, or, or really to be direct, your genetics. Your genetics are going to influence the outcome. So uh, you could take 10 people, put them on the same diet, meal plan, and training regime. You will still get 10 different slants on how their body will respond. And most of that can be explained by the differences in genetic predisposition and body type. So I encourage people, and, and we don't need to go into too depth, but there's three basic you know, somotypes, three different body types, ectomorph, mesomorph, endomorph. Uh, you don't have to uh, identify true blue with one or the other. You think of it more on a sliding scale. You can have traits, you can have ectomorphic traits and mesomorphic traits, but you're going to kind of be land somewhere on the spectrum. So if we know where your body is at, as far as your genetic predisposition and body type, we can take a few things away from that. One, it is an indicator of how quickly your metabolism will acclimate to change. So, um, for example, uh, ectomorphic, that's the longer, leaner, slender kind of runner's build. They acclimate to increases in intake quickly, and they acclimate to decreases in intake slowly, which makes it easier for them to lose body fat, lose weight, um, harder for them to add muscle mass and hold weight. Uh, uh, and more so the group tend to be the survivors of the planet. Uh, they tend to tolerate. Uh, they tolerate restriction. They tolerate changes in their environment. Generally speaking, there's always exceptions better than, than some of the other body types, which means um, that they can hold their muscle and strength pretty easily. Uh, but they can also pack on the pounds. They can also add the extra weight via either body fat or muscle more easily than the other body types. And then you have mesomorphs, which tend to be kind of in, in between the two. So the reason it's, it's relevant to understand your body type is because when we look at your goal, how we break down how much time is going to go into this, that, or the other, is going to be influenced by your genetic predisposition and your goal. So for example, if your goal is a balance of fat loss and muscular development, but you're an ectomorph body type, we're probably going to slant your program right out of the gate, still in favor of more resistance training, what's called type 2 muscle fiber training or fast twitch muscle fiber training. Um, and even though we're not going to ignore aerobic activity, you're still going to be more in favor of, of pumping iron, right? Pushing the weights that's going to achieve your goal, the quickest based on your genetic predisposition. Now, if you're an endomorphic body type and you have a goal right down the middle, you want to lose a little bit of body fat, but you also want to build some muscle. We know that even minimal strength training 
will sustain your muscle and even even bat build muscle pretty quickly because of your genetics. But since your body's going to be a little bit more stubborn about getting giving up the fat stores, your training split is going to out of the gate lean a little bit more towards the aerobic side, cross training, circuit training, cardio circuits, things like that. And so those are all the things that we're looking at when we pick a goal and then establish how we're going to lay out your routine of investing your time and energy. Does that make sense so far? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing, uh, you know, wh where you come from. But I see how it, I can really see how you're developing the program. At this point, people say to me usually, yeah, yeah, I've heard stuff like this before, Angelo. But what I really want to get to is what am I supposed to eat? <laughs> we'll see. Well, now we'll see if I can buy into this program. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get there, but there's one more step along the way. Before we get to what do I eat, I have to know your lifestyle. So people are sometimes surprised. They're like, well, I hired you guys for, you know, diet and exercise. Why are you asking me about my family and my eating schedule? And if I take meals with my family or if I, you know, have lunches with, you you know, with the boss or, uh, or what my bedtime is or what time I leave for work in the morning, all of that influences what you can and can't do. Because let me tell you, there's a lot of great strategies out there that simply are irrelevant for you because your lifestyle aren't, is not conducive to it. So we have to know what we're working with first. So one of, one of our pet peeves as coaches is when we hear people getting recommendations prior to somebody learning about them. In other words, oh yeah, so-and-so told me the best way to exercise is this or the best way to eat is this. Like, well, do they know everything about you? For example, do they know how you used to eat? Do they know what your schedule is? Do they know what your current exercise is? Um, because without those, those pieces to the equation, it's impossible to, to hit the nail on the head every time. I'll give you a classic example of that. I'm a huge fan of snacks, but not for the reasons you'd think. It's more from a strategic and societal slash cultural standpoint. It's a tool that I can use to get a, a, a purposeful outcome from my clients. Here's why. If I ask one of my clients to say, I want you to do this for me at, at 2.30 in the afternoon, I want you to eat this snack. Simple, all right? We're not talking, I want, I want you to have an apple and some almonds, or, or we're gonna have some, some jerky and some, you know, some, some fruit, or whatever, whatever the case is. Here's a snack I want you to get 2.30 in the afternoon. Who's gonna say no to that? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I can do that. If you're not willing to do that, you're probably not ready to be coached. <laughs> so right. look, I can do that. Here's why that's strategic. It's because you don't take snacks socially. What that means is you don't, you don't, you know, uh, ask your coworker, Hey, uh, in 20 minutes, I'm going to go take a snack. You want to come join me? <laughs> no, you just pop it in your mouth and you're done in three minutes. That's it. Lunches, however, dinners, however, they tend to be social. 
They tend to be business. They tend to be family. We're having a company meeting and grabbing lunch with, with the coworkers or with the boss or with the employees, or whatever the case is. Um, and so it can be a little bit harder to control the items. Dinner time comes around for the whole family. It can be a little bit harder to control. So what I can do is I can assign someone a principled meal plan. Now, this, this isn't the way it, I, I assign everyone, but as an example, I may say, you know, Johnny, I want you to eliminate your dinner carb and focus on protein and vegetables um, for the next seven days. And here's why we can get away with it and you're not going to be too low energy because I know every day at three o'clock, you, you got that snack coming where you're going to have that sliced apple. So we're good. Oh, by the way, here's the secret. You ready? I'm going to tell you all my secrets. The big secret to changing someone's body is contrast. It's change. In other words, once you get your body used to A, if you change it to B, and that's a big enough delta or cleavage or, or difference between A and B, your body is forced to change. So if I can get someone used to eating a particular snack at three o'clock every day, down the road, five, six weeks from now, I know that I can then remove that snack or adjust that snack and get a predictable, calculable change to their body composition, their weight, their performance, or whatever I'm after. But you have to have some sort of routine to hang your hat on first. And so, uh, that's that's why knowing somebody's schedule is of all importance. Uh, I need to know how many meals a person can eat. Some people, really, they can only do three, maybe three meals and a snack. Other people thrive with, you know, six meals, uh, three meals, three snacks. A lot of my athletes, that's what we're doing. I was working with an NFL player uh, a couple of years back, and this is an extreme case. This is not standard. So don't go home and say, oh, this is the way I have to do it. But we had a very tight window in his off season to get him his weight up. So we actually had him eating seven times during the day and setting his alarm clock to wake him up at one in the morning to take one extra meal. And while that was not sustainable for the few weeks that we had, to, we were able to strap a tremendous amount of size and muscle on him in short order. So it's all about knowing where you're at, where you need to be, and understanding the demands in your day-to-day -day lifestyle to figure out how we're going to match up to make it work. And everybody has their own path. So that leads to identifying, and this is where I think Maybe it'll resonate a bit with you, Brendan, um, as a coach. I, I have to identify with someone, whether they're strategic or metabolic. Uh, and that probably sounds weird. A lot of people are saying, well, what, what's that mean? Uh, really what it means is, am I working with someone who is behavioral? That's a term that can sometimes be thought of as a dirty word, but I, I, I'll, I'll tell you a secret everyone is behavioral. Right. <laughs> There's no exceptions. We all have habits and behaviors that we need to improve on and uh, areas we can uh, improve, things we can cut out, things we can start doing. Some people 
have failed to achieve their performance objectives, their weight loss goals, or whatever their, uh, their objectives are, not because they're not willing to work hard or they don't have the head knowledge, but because on a day-to-day sustainability uh, uh, time frame, on a day-to-day practical application, they get busy and they haven't found the ingredients that enable them to uh, enact a lifestyle habitual change in their everyday life that they can sustain ongoing. Um, In other words, Johnny can lose weight just by eliminating some of his bad habits and installing two or three of these good habits. The challenge, the battleground is really getting him to follow through with those things. So as we get to know our clients, we learn, are you in that? Are you in that bucket? And I would say about 85% of people we work with to a lesser or greater degree fall into that bucket where, hey, I can lose weight. I can see progress if I can just establish consistency and routine, and I need the tools and the help to do that. Now, the other 15, 20%, which we tend to work a lot with, um, are people that are doing everything right. Maybe you're listening to this and going, well, Angelo, I eat clean. I exercise regularly. I do everything the gurus and the specialists and the experts say, and I still am plateaued and stumped. What do I do? Well, we tend to to deal with those um, fringe cases a lot because those individuals are metabolic. What's happened in those cases is they're unable to either lose weight or change their body composition because your body has become used to the good habits that you're currently doing. It has acclimated to that. And for sure, you've changed for the better. But continuing to do the same thing is unlikely to produce any further adaptive response within your body. So we have to change something. There's a lot of people that are really set on, you know, this method of diet or this method of of training is the way to go. And they may be right. Maybe that is a great method. But if you're stagnating and plateauing, that's a good indicator that your body is used to that good method and that change is still required if we're going to challenge your body to go to that next level or to change something else. In weight loss application for someone who's metabolic, typically what that means is we cannot lose weight simply by eating less because there's not enough leverage there. Usually these people are already eating in a very managed standpoint, a managed way. Maybe they're already eating very few calories or very low carbohydrates, but they still have weight to lose. Taking 10% more off the top isn't going to be enough of a swing to move the dial. So for these individuals, we have to actually rehabilitate their metabolism first. That can be a tough pill to swallow. Somebody comes on board and says, Angela, all right, I want to lose 20 pounds. Here we go. And I have to tell them, actually, we've gone through baseline testing. We put you on a benchmark meal plan. We've parsed 
and analyzed your metabolic pace, uh, I can only get five off of you in our first cycle. And here's why. There's not enough to take out <laughs> 20 pounds of weight loss. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get five pounds off of you. And then we're going to hit pause. And we're going to focus on instead of reducing your intake, we're going to focus on speeding your metabolic rate. And once we cross a threshold where your metabolism is running hotter, running faster, then we have the leverage to drop down, perhaps reduce intake again. And because now we have enough contrast, we're going to be able to see results. Now we can take the next 15 pounds off. I'll give you a real world example of that. Every year, I'll, I'll take some athletes to competition in physique sports. Brendan, do you have much experience? Have you been around much physique sports, body? No, not really. Just uh, the athletes that we've trained, uh, you know, in the NBA that, uh, you know, world-class athletes, but not, not really around those guys. <clears throat> I understood. So, you know, so that they, they're all hard workers, right? The slant that you get with, with the, the physique sport crowd is, you know, they're basically their, their scoring system, their three point, right. Is, um, to show up, uh, with the absolute lowest body fat percentage, uh, fullest muscles and most symmetrical physique possible. So, Every year at these shows, someone from the audience will come up to me and say, you know, Mr. Poli, your, your athletes look amazing. And then they'll ask me the question, uh, what do you have them eating? <laughs> and I always give them the tongue-in-cheek answer, you know, the, the standard, well, boiled chicken, broccoli, you know, sweet potato, <laughs> you know. And they say, well, if I eat that, will I look like them? Nope. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> now, here's why. Because it's not the food itself that is that is achieving that chiseled physique it's the contrast it's the fact that you know bobby up on stage who's flexing and has this just chiseled you know uh, a, a greek god physique right he didn't get there from just eating the same thing day in and day out. He got there because for weeks and months leading up to this, we were pushing more calories, more carbohydrates through his body, fueling more effective and intense training sessions, which then compounded his metabolic pace and it escalated higher and higher. He's burning 3,500, 4,000 and beyond calories a day. And then from that starting point, when he cut down to, you know, 2,100 calories, 1,900 calories of boiled chicken and broccoli, then the fat just incinerated off of him. But it's the contrast that's triggering the change. Another illustration that makes the same point, the three, uh, the three neighbors, the three gals, all neighbors, all friends, they all go on the same diet. They talk about, we're like, we're going to try this new diet. It's 1,500 calories a day. So they all do it. And here's what happens. One of them loses weight. One of them gains weight. And one of them stays about the same weight. Well, just from that data, I can tell you what each one of those gals roughly was used to eating prior to starting this diet. The one who lost weight was used to eating more than 1,500 calories a day. So when she went on the diet, 
it was enough of a change to trigger weight loss. The one who gained weight was actually used to eating less than 1500 calories a day. So when she changed her diet, she got an adaptive result as well, just not the one she was looking for. And then the one who stayed the same weight, basically it just wasn't enough of a change to her nutritional environment to trigger an adaptive response. So what does that mean? It, it underscores the, the defining principle that forcing your body to change has to do more with the contrast between what you're used to eating and then what you change it to than it does the individual ingredients. Now, individual ingredients are important. That's eating nutritiously. That's what helps fight disease, vitality, longevity, all of these good components. But that's kind of, we'll take that and put it on the shelf because we could do a whole separate podcast on, you know, disease prevention, good nutrition, you know, and, and thriving. The area that there, is, there seems to be so much mystery and misunderstanding surrounding is metabolism. And it's because most people are lacking two key ingredients. They don't understand that what triggers weight loss or weight gain is not total calories, total carbs, or what exactly you're eating, but the change between what you were used to and then what you adjust to. That and that your metabolism is a moving target. No matter what you do, it will acclimate to it. So that means, unfortunately, for those of you thinking, I, I want to try and lose some weight, no matter what you, you reduce from your diet, eventually your metabolic rate will acclimate that to that and create homeostasis, which means a state where your body mass is no longer in flux. You're no longer losing weight. If your metabolism ever cannot accomplish that, it means you starve to death. You die. You literally die. Your metabolism has to be able to acclimate. And unfortunately, your metabolism is very good at acclimating. It can keep you upright on a disturbingly low amount of, of food. Um, but that's the survival mechanic that is designed for. But it's not all bad news because if it, your metabolism can acclimate to lower intake, it can also acclimate to increased intake. And that's where you get into the high-level athletics and performance, where you have athletes that defy. I work with a lot of high-level CrossFitters, and I'm always looking for ways to increase their metabolic rate so I can push more fuel through them because they can recover faster, so they can go back and train a little bit more frequently, and they just get that little edge. So that's where your metabolism will actually acclimate in your favor. But we don't notice that. But I'll give you an illustration. I'll, I'll do seminars a few times a year. I'll always pick uh, a gal out of the crowd that I, I think won't be you know, sensitive about her weight or talking about her fitness routine. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll pick Julie out of the front. I'll say, okay, Julie, here, here's what I want to do. I want to establish how change in your diet impacts your weight. What would happen, Julie? They said, Julie, how much do you weigh? She said, I weigh 120 pounds. How often do you exercise? I exercise three or four times a week. Perfect. What would happen, Julie, if we changed nothing about your diet and exercise except for we added a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream every night before you go to bed? 
You know what she says? Well, she she laughs. laughs. She says, I'd be happy. I like that diet. Uh, <clears throat> she says, I'd probably gain some weight. I say, you're right. You would. Now, a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream is a about, about a thousand calories. That's a thousand calories a night. How much weight, knowing your past history, you've been living in your body for 40 years, you're an expert on your body. How much weight will you gain if you add that pint every night in a month? And she'll think about it for a second and invariably she'll come back and she'll say, I'll gain five to 10 pounds. Eh, that's probably about right. Now, how much would you gain if you just kept that up and every night you had a pint uh, and you did that for a year? How much weight would you gain? So then she'll stop and pause and think about it a little longer. She'll scratch her head and she'll say, I'd probably gain between 15 and 20 pounds. That's about right. Anybody in the room here think that Julie's not at least in the ballpark? Nope. Nobody disagrees. Are you going to be happy about that 15, 20 pounds you gain? No, absolutely not. Now let's go back to the science. Let's go back to the math. That means that she's eating 1,000 calories a day. That's 7,000 calories a week, 52 weeks in a year. There's 3,500 calories in a pound of fat. That's two pounds a week, 52 weeks in a year. By the numbers, she should gain 104 pounds in one year. And then I'll ask everyone, does anyone in this auditorium, anyone in this room think that Julie will gain 104 pounds in the next year if she eats a pint of ice cream every night before bed? And there's not a single taker. Why? Because just from a living life, from a functional, practical standpoint, we know in real world application, there's no way Julie can double her body weight in one year, no matter what she eats. It's just not going to happen. Why? Well, your metabolism's job is to adapt. Will it adapt to an extra thousand calories a day? Yes. Will it do it Overnight, no, which is why she will gain weight. But eventually, her metabolic rate will acclimate to the point where she is in homeostasis and even eating that extra thousand calories a day, she's no longer gaining weight. Because if she didn't, same thing would happen to her. She'd continue gaining, gaining, gaining until she literally died because she gained so much weight. But the metabolism readjusts it acclimates have you ever have you ever seen those shows uh brendan on like the discovery health channel where it's you know or, or ads for them where they're carrying out the you know 900 pound man out of his house with yeah. a crane yeah. you've seen that yeah. stuff yeah so my, my goal in all of this just stepping back a second my goal in all of this is at the very least to challenge people to ask, ask the questions challenge what you know challenge the norm um, there, think about things differently. Uh, we're so used to just thinking about things a certain way. You know, when we talk about metabolism, we think of the, you know, the, the couple on the cover of runner's magazine, they're jogging through the park, they're fit, they're trim. And yes, no doubt they have a great metabolism, but if you want to actually get down to the biology of how the body works, let's talk about that guy getting taken out of his crane, uh, his house with a crane. We think, oh, wow, he has a really broken metabolism. And in actuality, that's usually the farthest from the truth. That guy 
who weighs 900 pounds, you know, they'll show, and you know, obviously this is for drama in Hollywood, but they'll, they'll show, look, this guy's eating 12,000 calories a day and it pans across, you know, the pizzas and the, you know, the, the two liter bottles of soda and everything that he's consuming in a single day. So when they put him on a diet, they'll put him on five or 6,000 calories a day and eating five or 6,000 calories a day, this guy drops for the first few days, he drops 10 pounds a day. How much weight would you lose, Brendan, if we put you on 6,000 calories a day? I don't, <laughs> none, any. Right, exactly, exact, zero, none weights, right? Yeah. So what that means is just, I just try to, I'm just trying to get people to think about it a little differently. That means this guy who can't literally can't stand on his own, yet he has a met metabolic rate that outpaces the most stout of Olympians on the planet. Any basketball star, any Olympic power lifter, they have blazing fast metabolisms, but they still pale in comparison to this guy. Why? Because even though the result has been disastrous for his health, by eating so much food, he's forced his metabolic rate to adapt to higher and higher intake. And even though he's in homeostasis at 900 uh, uh, life-threatening pounds, the fact of the matter is his current metabolic rate is actually fast, not slow. So when he decreases his intake, he has a huge margin for weight loss. So there's a lot more science going on, water, fluid, uh, and all that when it comes to his weight loss. But the principle holds true. So those are the things that we look at in building cycles. So when somebody works with us that wants to take off a few pounds, it's not dissimilar to when an elite athlete is working with us to prep for their competition season. We want them to perform the best they possibly can on the field or on the court. So we're structuring cycle or periodization, sometimes we call it, where here's what we're doing during this season. We want to decrease your body weight. We want to increase your body weight. And here's what we're going to do. We want to get you up to the point where you're taking this, you're at this intake level going into your competitive season, this intake level um, during your off season. And here's our two goals during those time periods. Here's the whole strategy to accomplish that. Or for somebody wanting to lose weight, we get into baseline testing. So baseline testing is a process of basically eliminating variables. So I don't guess when it comes to someone's uh, metabolism and current me metabolic rate and what they can or can't eat that'll result in weight gain or weight loss. I don't guess. And the reason I don't guess is I've dieted well over 10,000 people. I've been doing this for decades. Um, here's what I can definitively tell you to all the listeners. Here's the sum total of my decades of experience. I do not know what you need to eat to lose weight. And if somebody comes to you and tells you they do, <laughs> be wary. Because what my experience and, uh, and data that I have collected from thousands and thousands of people has taught me is that there is nothing fair about each individual person's metabolic rate. There is no parity. There is no equality. It's completely unjust. You can have two people 
similar body type, similar demographic age, the whole nine yards, and you put them on the same meal plan and one guy loses 50 pounds and the next guy loses five pounds. It is not fair. What I need to know is where you're at. So what we do is we baseline test. In other words, we eliminate variables. So for a few days, we're going to ask you, don't change anything about your exercise routine. If you're not exercising, don't start this week. If you are exercising, continue doing what's normally in your routine. Now, follow this meal plan. And yes, this is the one time where I do ask for a bit more specific following, but it's just for a few days. That way I can say, okay, Johnny, look, you, you ate this many calories every day. Those calories were broken out over this many meals. Those meals were broken down by macronutrient ratio of each meal having this many grams of carbs, proteins, and fats. I know everything about what you consumed, call it for, for three to five days. And here is the outcome. You lost two pounds or you gained two pounds or you stayed exactly the same weight. The data that I come out the other side of that baseline testing period with, I can't control or nor, neither can you. You can't control whether it's good news or whether it's bad news. But what we can do is see to it that it's accurate news. And once we have that accurate data on your metabolism, then we're equipped with the tools to put together a strategic game plan for you. Because if I had you on a baseline meal plan and you lost more weight than I was expecting on it, that's going to dynamically change our trajectory for both your food and your training for at least the next six weeks. Whereas if I put you on a baseline testing meal plan, first week we're working together, and I find that on a very moderate intake, you're merely maintaining your weight, that's going to change our structure because I know that I'm going to, okay, I'm going to take X amount of pounds off you, but then I'm going to have to schedule stops, checks, and balances where we take X amount off and then refresh your metabolic rate by increasing your intake and activity and then rinse and repeat doing another cutting cycle. And if you're an athlete, <laughs> I get... I. I joke about this, but it's actually serious. Every every month, I'll, I'll get a couple um, fathers who will bring their their young athletes to me. You know that are going to be the next superstar, and uh, I I get a number of football players, and I'll be staring across my desk at at the you know a a, a very well built but slender uh, you know six foot two. Uh, 160 pound, uh, you know, quarterback on the other side of the table. And his father's saying, you know, we're going to move to, you know, he's got an arm like a cannon. He's got talent. He's going places. We're going to move to, uh, you know, playing at the D1 level. And they say, how do I get him there? Well, the first thing we got to do is we have to put some pounds on your son. And then I look at the young man and I say, okay, junior, <laughs> do you like eating food? And he says, yes. I'm like, are you okay with eating multiple times a day, every day? And he'll laugh. And I will say, stop laughing. You're going to have a stomach ache for the next three months. And then dad will pipe in. 
and say, isn't that bad for him to be eating that much food? And isn't that bad for his stomach and digestion? And I say, yes, it is bad for him. However, (laughs) I have weighed his digestive health against his spinal health when a 240 pound defensive end lands on your son's face in the first play of the game. And I've decided to prioritize his spinal health. So we'll take the tummy ache for a few months, but he's going to be eating every day more food than he's ever eaten before. And we're going to have to strap 20, 30, 40 pounds off of him to keep him safe going into that next competitive season of his life. So this just all underscores the whole concept of when it comes to strategy, training, and nutrition, this concept of one size fits all needs to be completely thrown out the window. It just doesn't work that way. It's evaluate you, where you're at, what has and hasn't worked in the past. Use that info to identify a starting point. And then once we implement that starting point, we need to constantly reevaluate to make sure we are progressing towards weight loss, towards weight gain, towards improvements and performance at the pace that we have put on the board. And if not, make changes to it immediately so we can keep pace with that progress. That's how you transform. Angelo, you are a world-class master coach. That was absolutely (laughs) incredibly fascinating to me, the way you put that whole process together. That is spectacular stuff. I enjoyed the hell out of that, buddy. Uh, Let me ask you, we have so many coaches that listen on a weekly basis all around, uh, not just the U.S., Canada, Australia, I mean, all over the world. And one of the things that, uh, you know, that this is what I love is that this is where, as coaches, frankly, we're dumb as hell. We don't have any, as basketball coaches, we don't have any knowledge. Most sports coaches. How do they learn more from you guys? How do they, how can they contact you guys? And because I think this is a science that they really need to, this is where you hand off, you know, coach what you know, get out of the way when you don't know something. Right now, our specialty is actually working uh, one-on-one with individuals. And and that ranges from coaches to athletes to actually, believe it or not, um, we have a lot of doctors that, that work with us for the education um, and, and then take that back and apply it in there for their uh, patients. Uh, but uh, right now, for individuals, reach out. Uh, email, call us, go, go to the web, go to metpro.co. And then um, I think as a kind of a thank you for, uh, from you, uh, uh, Brendan, we have metpro.co forward slash coaching you. And if you go through that link, the metpro.co forward slash coaching you, uh, you'll get a complimentary consultation, uh, not with just some random person. I can tell you the, the, the three or four people you'd be talking to, they're absolute experts. They work day in day and day out right beside me. And here's my advice. Let them get to know you. They're going to ask some questions. Some of it may seem a little personal, but share what you're comfortable with, but get to know them, let them get to know you because then they can really paint the picture of, of what the process of, of working with one of our experts would look like. And then in the future, we're developing right now, our platform that enables us to take the highlights of the data that we've that we have gathered by 
going through so many successful transformations with individuals and athletes and applying the best pieces of that in a scalable fashion. So soon we'll be able to roll it out to groups instead of just individuals. We'll be able to actually provide um, some technology that will aid in time management, food selection, training selection, goal identification uh, through a technology that will be easy and accessible and available to the masses. So that's coming in the near future. But right now, our focus is on working with individuals and helping them really excel, uh, setting goals going from one play, one step, step one to step two and beyond. Go to metpro.co forward slash coaching you, and I, I'd invite you just be open and just talk. There's no there's no pressure. Uh, even if you're just gathering information, where we'd welcome the conversation. Uh, we'd love we love to get to know people. So that's that's the invitation. Angel Poli, you are a superstar. And thank you, thank you so much for sharing uh, and helping people as you do, because uh, this is one of the greatest gifts I know that you have, is that your love and care for individuals. And I love the concept of personal and concierge coaching. It is where it's at today. Thank you, my friend, and really look forward to working with you. Thanks so much, Brendan. Wow. Angela Poli. My goodness, I have goosebumps. That that was something that really hit home for me. And I know for all of us out there, no matter what you do, whether you're a coach, a parent, you know, just a leader, you know, I mean, just or just one of our people that just enjoys listening to a podcast, uh, you need to take care of yourself. You know, we need to make sure that we can be as productive as possible. Really take advantage of this and really hit metpro.co forward slash coaching you follow up take the consultation invest in yourself as we always recommend that coaching you invest in yourself i think you'll really enjoy this i'm doing it okay so until next week this is the coach brendan sir <laughs>